we were talking a ton over the weekend. Everywhere I went, it felt like you were talking about Hawaii still and Maui specifically. And I have a friend of mine who has a client there who agreed to come on and talk. So he's not Canadian, but does a lot of business in Canada. His name is Todd. He's in Maui. He's been in the IT business for eight or nine years. And I was able to talk to him last night because right now it's 1148 p.m. There's a six hour time difference with Hawaii. Um, and they're earlier than us. So I was able to talk to Todd and I asked him about the timeline of when the news kind of cropped up that wildfires were heading his way. I can give my account of uh, the series of events here and kind of what led up to it. And then, you know, as far as, uh, you know, what alerts went off, what emergency sirens went off, how we were all notified at the time of the event prior to it and then post uh, post um, devastation here, post wildfires here. Um, you know, I was in Lahaina on the morning of this happening. I was actually in Kaanapali. Um, it's an area further out from Lahaina. It's, um, where a lot of tourists, uh, got uh, stuck there. Yeah. Um, it was not a place that was burnt, but, um, that's where all the supplies, most of the, the supplies are being held now. So I was there that morning and working on the Wi-Fi for that hotel at the Sheraton. And, um, that was about... 8 a.m., 8, 8 or 9 a.m. in between that time. And um, although the power was out all throughout Lahaina and there's standstill traffic at the hotels, there was there were no emergency alerts. Um, there were tourists jogging around playing tennis. It literally looked like nothing was going on. Um, the hotel at this point still has this hotel that I was at had power at this point. And uh, I think about 30 minutes after nine, they went into um, backup power. So uh, they usually have pretty good infrastructure there. Um, but still, uh, at no point there, while I was at the hotel, were there any notifications to any of the tourists or um, on my phone? You know, usually we get, especially in Hawaii, where it's high risk during um, during a tsunami season. Yeah, you know, we're get, we're going to get quick. Uh, messages on our phones, rapid, you know, um, alerts to evacuate or beware of, you know, high winds or um, rain coming, um, high, you know, high rain coming. And so this did not happen, although on this day. It seems like as well over the over the few days after, um, you know, Hawaii is obviously somewhere where you're a resident, you know, the patterns, you know, the weather. And and like you said, you'd know if you were looking for something extreme. And when people are tourists to me, Todd, anyway, they might check their phone occasionally, see if there's rain, but they're not in hotel rooms or hotel room or, or hotel lobbies watching the news regularly, watching forecasts regularly. They just think, can to, to the point of you said, can I surf today? Can I play tennis today? Nobody's really as dialed in maybe as they would be when they're, you know, in their regular life, 48, 49 weeks a year, are they? Certainly, that's a, that's a factor of it. You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, phones are, are placed in, in your luggage and you're out and you're surfing and you're, you're doing what you do best, right? When you're not connected uh, to the rest of the world. And so that was another factor in this in this area, which is a high tourism area. So when you think about Lahaina and the images you've seen and knowing it as you know it, I mean, we're just scratching the surface of of the present, as in, you know, even if we even if we speculate it with an educated mind that the worst is over, people are going to ask the, the, the big questions. Right. W when can infrastructure return? Can we rebuild 
something that's so historic. They're probably I'm not going to ask you an unfair question and ask if you think they can. But those questions probably aren't even we're probably not even ready to ask those kind of questions yet, are we? Yeah. Yeah. When, when I ask myself those questions, you know, I have to take a step back and, and, um, and kind of just stop because the, the truth of the matter right now is that um, we're at a, a count that the death toll count is at 93 right now, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we still have about a thousand people missing and that number, uh, you know, give or take a little, it's still a lot of people. And we we're hearing the stories every day continue um, um, about families being found, you know, babies, forgive me, but babies, this is the truth. Babies being found, you know, burnt alive in their car seats Um, and whole families in cars. It's, it's a scary thing. Um, You know, to this day, my wife is still, you know, reaching out to people, trying to find out where people are. And, you know, just today I found, I thought about two people. I'm like, Oh, what about this person? Or what about that person? I don't know if they're okay. They have no social posts. You know, it's way too early to think about rebuilding what it's going to take to rebuild. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's something that needs to be kept in mind now because, you know, there's thousands of people, even our company, um, that relies on Lahaina's economy. Um, We're a small island. This is not Paradise, California. This is a very small island. And, you know, we're going to take a big hit economically here. And so where the next paycheck is going to come from. Um, a lot of people don't have insurance on their homes. And so where, how we're going to find the funds to rebuild for those people or where they're going to go, where they've lived here all their life is just a really daunting, you know, thing to think about. I've only been here for eight years. Um, my wife is born and raised here and she's native here um, just to feel her pain, though, and just to feel the pain of the people around me. You know, not not being native is still a deep, deep, deep hurt. And so, I, you know, I, I imagine really think <laughs> uh, Todd Alexander is our guest on 640 Toronto on Toronto today. He's kind of to let us reach out to him. He's in Maui um, and has just, he's just said been there eight years. And there's I, I think with grief, there's there's a bunch of different steps. While you're in the process of grieving, there's how your heart feels. There's what your brain feels and there's just the like the practicality, right, of making sure you take steps during the day, making sure you feed yourself, making sure, as you said, you're reaching out to anybody else affected worse than you. This has to have been a real balancing act, not just not just for you and your wife, but your neighbors, um, anybody that is uh, anybody that's a, a, a politician, police, fire, everybody has to have all this that they're juggling on their on their minds 24 seven. Yeah, certainly that, you know, at a time where emotions are high, um, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of grieving going on. Grieving that's going to take place over the next couple of years and even longer forever because our Lahaina is not the same Lahaina. Um, We still have to uh, come together as a community and make sure that people that are hurting, that are hurt and that that are not found are um, are being found. And the the bodies that are being found um, are identified. There's DNA tests that are needed. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, you know, the, the, the MPD here, my police department is working hard to, um, you know, keep everybody in line and help everybody understand, look, we we're empathizing, but we still need to uh, focus on finding bodies here, um, and, and identifying those bodies, um, properly. Yeah. I so, think about the struggle. We, we've, we had, um, wildfires here in, in Ontario and there were some in Quebec as well, but 
um, you're able to easily, easily, I use that phrase, you know, that word, um, you know, uh, questionably, I suppose, but you're bringing people up from Michigan, you're bringing firefighters up, you're bringing water helicopters from Michigan, New York state, Hawaii just does not, it does not have that, that geographical support. It's in a, it's in a geographical, um, problem spot. If you're looking for support from either other countries or some of the other 49 states, and, and I'm sure that was spotted, that the circumstances around it just three, four days in, you're like, we're very much on our own here until somebody can get to us. That's it. That's it, uh, Greg. You know, up, up to today, as a matter of fact, um, it's been the community. It's been the community efforts, the Native Hawaiian communities coming together, um, knowing the Native Hawaiian communities here, the people here, knowing Lahaina best and um, putting together those resources together, or putting those resources together where they can to collect supplies outside of what was being collected at the shelters and take those out and distribute those where there was a lot of red tape at the shelters. Um, as a matter of fact, um, you know, just today, uh, FEMA has completely taken over all the shelters and they, um, they took, you know, they got rid of all the volunteers that were actually community volunteers that were helping for the past three or four days. These people are distraught. They're hurting because they've been connecting to their community and they know the people best. Um, but at this point, they've turned turned away um, certain drop offs of um, uh, supplies, you know, and they've taken complete control of all uh, collection uh, relief efforts. And it it, it hurts. Um, but it, it's a reality of being on an island. You know, we have to come together yeah. as a community and we have to wait on those resources. And there, there's just a lot of confusion right now around how this actually should work for us when we've seen it work differently in places like Canada and California. How close were the fires to your property, Todd? What, what was what was your biggest concern um, uh, about that? Um, about 30 minutes away, um, yeah. 15 miles away. So, uh, but the fires did, you know, jump and, and move. There were fires started up country and there were fires that moved closer to us about five miles away from us. Um, those were a little easier to contain. But, um, you know, a lot, uh, you know, Maui's a small island. What happens 15 miles away, 30 miles away is still right next door to you. The, the, as we said, it's, it's you, all you can do is put one foot in front of the other right now. And it's hour by hour, day by day. Um, that's, that's, that's the, that's the short term, but I was looking at some of the, the, the tourism, um, and the dollars that are involved. And I, I said it on the, on the show last week. Everybody wants to go to Hawaii. Hawaii's on everybody's bucket list. There's 8 billion people on the planet, and I bet you 3 or 4 billion of them. It's their dream to go to Hawaii someday. It sure is mine. Um, so tourism's vital. The numbers I saw in 2019, so this is pre-pandemic, had $12 billion, um, $18 billion total to Hawaii, but Maui takes a third of that. Like tourism's a $6 billion industry for Maui, where only 150, 160,000 people live. So in the short term, I know there's people getting told, don't come here right now, cancel those plans. But it's really significant that tourism finds a way to bounce back and finds a way to still exist for your islands. I mean, it it, it, it sure is. You know, we, we face this during COVID where, um, mm -hmm. you know, 70% of our revenue is, is based on and dependent on tourism. Uh, we had to find ways to compensate. We had to find ways to replace that revenue um, to survive here on Maui, to keep our economy sustained. Um, we're in another situation. 
uh, post-pandemic where we have to do that again. And, uh, you know, first in mind, we, we have to care about the people, the local people here, the resources here, especially the native Hawaiians that um, that have this land. This is their home. This is their culture. And they just lost a big part of their history. Um, us visitors, we don't know what that feels like. Uh, we, we've connected to the culture here, but they've lost their selves in a lot of their identity. And we have to mind that first. At the same time, um, we have to get tourism bounced back, but we need to bounce that tourism back in a different type of way. And we are getting a lot of support right now, monetary support um, from around the country, from around the world. And I think that support is going to help us uh, by the time that we need to um, to grieve and properly build the type of tourism that respects um, the local resources here, the native culture here, um, and uh, what's needed to also supply to that uh, to that tourism industry in a fair way that benefits everybody and not just tourists. Yeah, I, th- I think it, for a lot of us, we all realize how special a place Hawaii is to to not just America or or North America, but but you know everybody on the globe. But but as you've noted a couple of times, the history, the history of Lahaina, the history even of um Honolulu the history of the people and their culture um before it was even part of the United States it's massively important um to native islanders period yeah yeah no it is it is uh you know when when you come here the the first thing you know you know, you you're introduced to is the alo- what they call the aloha spirit the aloha and the love uh from the people here um and you know it it it's, it should be a priority on 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 every for everyone to immerse themselves into the culture here. There's a rich culture here, um, and that that makes what Hawaii is in all eight islands. What uh, the experience that tourists have here, um, that culture is the bedrock. It is the foundation of it. Um, it's it's very rich, um, and uh, it it if it hasn't been before in many people's eyes recognized and acknowledged, it should now. It's Todd Alexander joining us uh, from Maui. Thank you so much for the time. Um, and I'll be thinking of you guys amplifying uh, any ways that people, our listeners, people in Toronto or who listen across the country can uh, can help you there in Maui. Uh, I will promise to do that. Thank you very much for the time. And I hope we can check in again if we need to. Thank you as well, Greg. I appreciate your time and I appreciate uh, you know Canada reaching out and caring for us. We, we feel that love from Canada as well as we, uh, we look for hope from anywhere we can. Thank you so much. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.